We're so glad you're here this morning. I'm so glad that our God is so faithful and I'm so glad that He's here this morning. See, the Spirit of God is in this place already and He wants to break into your life this morning. My message this morning is a message of hope and it's about coming alive again. And for many of us, our lives, there are parts of our lives that are great, but there's parts of our lives that have been damaged uh, through disappointment, through um, just obstacles in life. There's parts of us that are still dead. It's like we're sleeping. And God wants to say to you today that I want to bring you alive. I want to bring you into a fullness this morning. And so I want to encourage you this morning. And no matter where you are, no matter where you are in your life today, the Bible says that those that hunger and thirst, that they shall be filled. So this morning, get a hunger in your heart for Him. Get a hunger in your heart for the Holy Ghost. Because today He wants to touch your life. This morning, I just, um, you know what? I just want to honour Bruce this morning. Bruce and um, Sharon. And I've asked Bruce specifically to play while I preach. It may be different to what you're, maybe different to what you're used to. Different is good. But I love what he carries. What he carries, a lot of our musicians carry great presence of God. But what I love is that it's not just a gift. It's not just a talent. It's something that's forged over many years of relationship with Jesus through trials, through hard things, and through staying the course. Something Pastor Dave talked about last week. Staying the course, turning up, even when things are really hard. And so I want to honor you both as a couple, that what you carry on your lives is rich because you've stayed the course, because you've put Jesus first. And there's something that you and I now, we get to enjoy and, uh, and we get to reap the benefits of it in this house because we have musicians like Bruce that would play and that would minister. And so this morning as I preach, I just said to him, I don't care what you play, just play something because I know that God loves what he does. And so this morning I just want to pray. Miami, can I pray for you? Just lift your hands to the Lord. I know you're creative, Miami. The Lord wants to endorse you today that there's a creative See, I just said about Bruce, there's a talent, but there's also a gift. God's placed a gift on your life of creativity. Just lift your hands to him. There's a gift of creativity on your life. And he's calling it forth today. He's calling you to lead young people. He's calling you to bring alive in young people the gift and the creativity, not just of dance, but these other performing arts. I don't know what they are, but they're going to come alive in you and you're going to learn how to impart them to others. You're called as a leader and he's calling you to step forward today. Holy Ghost, Lord, Holy Spirit, breathe upon her today. Lord, I speak value into her today. Lord, you've called her as a daughter in your house. I speak, I confirm the call of God. See, this is nothing new to God. He's just confirming it today. Creativity, Lord, let it flow. Lord, let it dream dreams, Lord God. Lord, give a visions, Lord God, of young people, Lord God, coming to Christ through the performing arts in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost, fill. Fill her in Jesus' name. Fill her in Jesus' name. His presence is on your life. 
God's presence is on your life this morning. Holy Ghost. There's other young people here today and God's calling you. And I don't want to, actually I am, I'm, I was going to say I don't want to embarrass you. But I just want to say, Mackenzie, I know that God's got a call on your life. I know that you're called to worship. I know you're called to sing. And God wants you to know that he knows who you are. He knows who you are. He knows your name. And there's a plan and a purpose for your life. And there's other young ones here today. When you stand up that front row, can we have some youth leaders up here? Stand up. Stand up where you are. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Don't worry about anyone else here. This is not about me. This is about, take a step forward. And these guys are going to pray for you. We're going to believe today, church, these are some of our young people. We've got some great young people in this church. Lord, today we pray that you would set them apart for your purposes. Lord, that you set them apart, Lord. Lord, you'd cause a hunger, Lord God. Father, to be birthed in their hearts, Lord, a purity. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Fill them now in Jesus' name. Why don't you guys pray? Holy Ghost. Why don't you just stretch your hands out to them? There's other young people in this place, and God's calling you alive again. God's calling you to stand up. As young people in your schools and in your workplaces, in your places of study, even in your home, that you would be as He'd call you to be. See, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it's here today. And it's here today for you to access. That resurrection power is in this place today. Holy Spirit, we're just going to let them be prayed for. Today, I want to encourage you, get hungry in your heart. You know what? I want to say this really clearly and really boldly. I've been redeemed. Somebody sent me a great message yesterday. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed out of all my stuff. And so today I'm going to be set free. I'm cutting loose today. I'm not holding back. You know why? Because God's got stuff for me to do and He's got stuff for you to do. But will you be bound by the opinions of man? Will you be held back by the looks of other people? He's calling you to come alive today. He's calling you to walk different today. Wouldn't it be amazing? Many of us, we're in church all the time. And we come to church and we worship and we love God and we hear the message and we go away. But what would happen if every Sunday we came in, we said, God, I don't want to leave this place the same. God, I want to walk out of this place totally different. God, I want to let an area in my life be shifted. And it doesn't matter who leads worship and who preaches and who brings the offering or who does whatever, but that I have a, uh, just a thing in my heart that says, God, I want you. God, I want to be different. What would our community look like? What would our region look like if each one of us did that? If we came in and we said, God, change me so that I can affect my family, so that I can affect the hard hearts of people around me. I can affect my school and my workplace, that I could affect everywhere I go in the supermarket, in the gas station, and I could bring hope. It comes from you and I making a decision to change. The change starts with you and I. And I want to tell you a story this morning. And uh, it's the tale of two girls. And the Bible doesn't give us their names, but each of them has a life-threatening situation on their hands. And each one of them also has an encounter with the King, with Jesus Christ. And He alters their destiny forever. Today, if you will let Him, Jesus Christ wants to alter your destiny too. Maybe you're here today and you've had a dream. But maybe it feels like the dream was a long, long time ago. Maybe there's been obstacles and delays on the way and you've 
Over time, you've allowed the dream to slip away or you've withdrawn from the dream because it feels like it's, it's too far now. Maybe you're here today and you need a breakthrough in an area of your life. Maybe it's a healing, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's just an area of struggle. But you're desperate for, for something and it just feels like it's out of your reach. I want to tell you today, your dream's not dead. And your breakthrough is here for you today if you want it. See, Jesus loves you so much, He won't force anything on you. But He will move on a hungry heart this morning. How you position yourself today will affect the course of your destiny. Expectancy in your heart moves the hand of God. Expectancy for Him. Today I want to bring you a message of hope, a message of life. Because the God I know, He's a God of life. He's a God of second chances. He's a God of forgiveness. He's not a God of shame and regret. Today, He's not the God of sickness. He's the God of healing today. And so I want to read this morning from the book of Mark. And it starts in verse 21. And if you've got your Bible with you, you're most welcome to turn there. Otherwise, I'm going to read it out. And it says this, Now when Jesus crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered there, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she may live. And so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And see what, so here we have a man named Jairus, and he's got a crisis on his hands. His daughter, the daughter that he loves, is at the point of death, and he knows that his only hope is getting somewhere near Jesus Christ. But he's got two issues that he's got to work through first. And the first one is that he's a synagogue leader. He's a religious leader of the day. And if you look about two chapters back in the book of Mark, it says that they were already they were already plotting to kill Jesus. They were already jealous and they were already threatened by him. So he has to decide, if I get anywhere near Jesus, if I go and ask him for help and everyone's going to see that, then I put my life in jeopardy, my, my, um, my job, my status, put everything in jeopardy to do that. And the second issue he's got is that it says the crowd is called a great multitude. Well, I went investigating to see kind of how many people a great multitude would be. And it doesn't specifically say, but what it does say is this, that it's more numerous than anyone could count or estimate. So we're talking about a flipping big crowd is there, a sea of people. And here's this man who's a synagogue leader, and he's got to bust through the opinions of people first. But I want to tell you that more than being a synagogue leader, this is a dad. This is a parent. And he's desperate for his kid. He's desperate for her life. I've seen a parent when they're pleading for their child's life. It's something that leaves an imprint on you. There's a, there's a desperation that causes you to do anything. It's exactly what Jairus did. If he was trying to get near Jesus and there was a big crowd, there was a sea of people bigger than you or I could ever count, then I bet you he had to push and he had to shove. I bet you he had to relentlessly, boldly get through those people to try and get himself anywhere near that Jesus was. And you know what, once he got there, I don't know if you've ever been in a concert or a, or a massive crowd and you've been at the front, you've got to hold your position to stay in the front. 
You don't just get to stay there by right. Once you get to the front, you've got to hold that place. Jairus chose to do that. Jairus chose to hold his position. What happens to you when you're in a crisis? What happens to you when the wheels fall off and something goes really, really wrong? Do you run to Jesus like Jairus did? Do you forsake all else or do you withdraw? I think so often we'd like to say I run to Jesus, but often it's not our first place. Often we withdraw and we try to find a way to fix our problem. I believe there's people here and you've drawn back and and it's not that you're backslidden. It's that you love the Lord. But you've had a crisis in your life and you don't know what to do, so you've drawn back. Or you know there's an area of um, struggle in your life, sin, and you don't know what to do about it. So we draw back because we're ashamed. Jairus' plead was this, I just need Jesus Christ. Today there's people here and you just need to say, I just need you, Jesus. You know what? He will respond to you today. The Bible says that when Jairus fell at his feet and he begged him, it says that Jesus responded. But you know what? There's another story going on here. And it's, and it's threaded through the story. And it's in verse 25. And it, a lot of us will know the story. And it says, now there was a certain woman. And she had a flow of blood for 12 years. Basically, she was afflicted for 12 years. How many 12-year-olds do we have here? How many of you guys are 12? Put your hand right up. So as old as you guys are, is as long as this lady's been suffering with an illness. And she spent all her money, the Bible says. She's wasted all her money. She's done everything she could to go to the right doctors. And it says that her condition got worse. Not only that, but because she's... Uh, labeled unclean. That's what they did in those days. They labeled her as unclean. She was judged mercilessly. She was ostracized from people. She had to withdraw from relationship and from everything. It's a lonely place when you're confined from the opinions of man. There's people here today and you feel like you've been cut off from the opinions of man. Today, Jesus is calling you alive again. So she's judged, she's unclean, she's unable to work, and she's tried everything, and there's no breakthrough. And then in verse 27, it says this. It says that she heard, she heard that Jesus was coming. She heard a sound. You know what? When Jesus is moving, there is a sound. There's a sound of faith. There's a sound of faith when Jesus Christ comes and he moves among his people. There's a sound, there's a bubble over of, um, you can hear it and you can feel it in the atmosphere. See, the Bible says that faith is a substance. It's not something you can see, but it's something you can feel and you can hear it. Faith changes an atmosphere. And I want to encourage you today that the words you speak are life and they can be death. And the words you speak, we've been talking with the worship team about this, about building atmospheres where God can move. When you speak words of life into the atmosphere, when you speak words of faith, things that have not happened yet, but you agree with the word of God, the atmosphere starts to change. God draws with his faith. 
See, here's this woman. It says she came from the back of the crowd, the back of a sea of people that were too numerous to count. And I reckon she must have done something like Jairus. And she pushed her way through. Wasn't very ladylike, I would believe. But she pushed her way through and shoved her way through. And she said, I don't even need to talk to him. I just need to touch their garment. And if I can touch that garment, then I would be free. This morning, God wants faith like that, that says, I don't care. Sometimes we're not even bound up by the community. We're bound up by each other. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? We think if I break out of my stuff, so-and-so over here knows I don't usually act like that. So, you know, it shuts me back down. But what would happen if you broke out today? You said that thing in you that said, God, I need you. God, I want you in my life. God, I'm sick of the stuff around my life. And you push your way through to Him. Two things happened when she did that. I love this. The Bible says, I'm just trying to find out where it is. (laughs) Two things happened when she pushed through that crowd and she laid hold of Him. Two things happened. It says immediately... The power flowed out of him and immediately the blood stopped. Immediately she got a miracle. The first thing you need to do, the first key I want to give you this morning is become desperate. How desperate are you this morning? How desperate are you for the dead parts of your life to come alive again? How desperate are you this morning for him? See, there would have been lots of needs in that crowd, I believe. Lots and lots of needs. But that wasn't the thing that turned the attention of Jesus. It was a man who was desperate and forsook the opinions of people. It was a woman who did the same thing that said, I got nothing to lose. I got nothing left to lose, so I will position myself with him. And today that's the second key, is to position yourself to lay hold and to hold your ground. Get desperate and position yourself now the king of kings. And she said this, if only I could touch him. It was a bold stand. It wasn't a, maybe I'll touch him. Maybe he'll do something if I try and get through the crowd. You know what? She was, by the curse of the law, they were still bound with thinking that she was unclean. So if she touched anyone, everybody else got unclean as well. So you know what? She couldn't do a nice little maybe I'll maneuver through the crowd and see if nobody notices. She actually had to become offensive in her pursuit of Jesus Christ. It's an internal position that no matter what my life is looking like, that I will not withdraw, that I'll move towards the King of Kings. I believe there's people here and you're on the point of breakthrough, but sometimes it's hard not to draw back. Will I? What will he do? Will I? But I want to tell you this, he's really good. Sometimes we forget what his nature is. In Luke 137, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing, not one thing should be impossible. You know what that scripture is about? It's about when the angel visited Mary and said, you're going to have a son and he's going to be the Messiah. That's what that scripture is about. It's not about all the things out here. It's about um, the Holy Spirit coming and overshadowing her and from nothing creating life. You know, the, the, um, the devil can make all these, uh, he can only imitate the things of God. He makes a cheap counterfeit. And the one thing he can't do is he cannot create from nothing. He cannot create from nothing. Luke 137, for with God, nothing shall be impossible to you today. And as she reached out, she got that miracle. The blood flow stopped 
and the life flow of Jesus Christ went into her. As an interesting that thing that happens next is that here she is and she's bold, she's desperate, she's positioned, and she's still unnamed. But she lay hold of him. And I know a lot of us know the story. But he says, who touched me? Who touched me? And I know his disciples would have thought he was crazy because there's a crowd too big to number. Well, everyone touched you. The disciples didn't understand that there was a transaction. There was a power flow. Faith pulled the power flow from him. Desperation caused her to access the kingdom of heaven. God today doesn't just want to give you a miracle. He wants to set you free. And the next part of the scripture is really interesting because there's a reason he asked her to come out of the crowd. There's a reason he wanted her to come into the light. See, she could have stolen her miracle that day. I think he would have let her have it. She could have gone away, unnamed, slinking back into the crowd. But she never would have got set free of the shame of the condition. So she gets healed, and then he says, who touched me? And she has to come out, and it says this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, because knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now, at this point, I think she's scared. She's scared. She's, she's exposed out before everyone. She's been outed. But the moment she does that, the moment she comes into the light, Jesus Christ reveals his true nature. And he wants you to know that today. So she was described as an unnamed woman. She had a miracle. She positioned herself and she was desperate. But she was still an unnamed woman. And the moment that she came into the light and told her story, Jesus changes her status from unnamed woman to daughter. He calls her a daughter and he says this. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She could have stolen her miracle. Sometimes we just want to steal our miracle because we're so embarrassed about our state. Sometimes we want the healing, but we don't want to say the mess we're in on the inside. Today, you can take heart from this. The moment you come into the light, he will break shame off your life. Not only that, but he will bring you into a place with him. She went from the unnamed woman to daughter. Today, there's someone here today. I know that there's at least one person here, one woman here today. And you've cried out to God recently. You've said, I don't even know if you know my name anymore. And God says to you today, I know your name. I know your name and I know what you're going through and I'm right with you. Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ wants you to take you from that unnamed place into a place with him today. Maybe you're here today. There's an area in your life where you're ashamed. It only has power in the darkness today. And I know you love the Lord, but you're embarrassed about what's going on in your heart, what's going on in secret. God says, I don't want to embarrass you. He says, I don't want to shame you. Actually, I want to do the opposite. The enemy is a liar. You've got to know this today. The enemy is a liar. And you don't want to know something else. He hates you. He hates you. And he wants to do everything he can to keep you from Jesus Christ. So if he can keep you feeling bad about yourself, he'll do that. He is a liar today and he wants to destroy your life. Jesus Christ wants to transform you today. He wants you to take you out of shame to a place of being accepted. He said to that woman, daughter, unnamed woman, 
I now call your daughter. And he did it in front of so many people, they couldn't number them. And he said, you're set free today. You're set free today. You know, when we lived in Pakistan, we did an outreach uh, one day and it was for women who were, everybody was in need, everybody was poor, everybody was desperate. But it was for a particular group of women that were extremely desperate. And there, I couldn't count how many there were. There were hundreds there. And they were calling out names and they were giving out, we were giving out food stamps. And uh, they kept calling out the same last name, the same surname, over and over and over. And some had a different name, but most had the same surname called Bibi. And I turned around, because I didn't know what it meant, and I turned around and I said to the person I was with, are they all related? Which sounds really silly now. And they said, no, these are the women where their husbands have abandoned them, where their husbands have divorced them, or where they've been widowed. These women now are not worthy of a surname. And that's happening today. There's women all over our, all over our globe that have been told by society they're not worthy of having a surname today. Jesus Christ wants to bring you into a place of significance with him. Today he calls you daughter. Today he calls you son. And he says, that's who you are. That's who you are today. No matter what your natural situation is today, he says, you are a daughter. You're a daughter and you're a son of the most high God. And he wants to set you free this morning. And the story tracks back to Jairus. It takes a twist again. And here he is, and he's waiting, you know? And he's waiting for, he's, he's positioned himself, and he's desperate, and he's, he's on the brink of, you know, he, he needs Jesus, and he's right there. And Jesus is on his way with him. But there's a delay, and it's a great delay because Jesus is doing something in another person's life. But then the Bible says that while he was still speaking to the woman, And saying, daughter, your faith has healed you and made you well. Go in peace and be healed. While he's still speaking, another came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? The messenger of death came from the house where the potential was, where the dream was. What happens to you? when Jesus Christ doesn't move in the timing that you thought he was going to? What happens to you when you had a dream in your heart or you were believing for something and you had a lot pinned on it? What happens in your heart? What happens on the inside of you when it doesn't quite work out the way he said it was going to? What happens to you? Because these are the questions, these are the testings, the trials of our faith. This is what brings us from immaturity into maturity in Christ. I believe for Jairus, this is about grow-up time. It's about grow-up time for you and I. Because the trap is this, is that we want to we wanna give the situation to Jesus, and then we want to tell him how to fix it and how to work it out. And when, we, when he doesn't do it the way we think or in the timing we think, we're okay for a little while, but then we start to get hacked off. What happens on the inside of you? Does bitterness come around, anger we start to blame him? Do we start to withdraw? The messenger of death came in and said, your daughter is dead. There is no, there's no need now for the Messiah. Just give up. Give up. Some of us, I believe, uh, we've, come from, we've come from backgrounds where 
we, we go like this with God. We go, well, if I do this, this, and this, and they're all good things, and they're all even things from the Bible, then God must do this. And so when I act like a really good girl and I do all these things and I, I get up and I pray every day and I, and I do this and I do this, and then God doesn't do what I think he'll do, then I get bitter in my heart because I've put an expectation on him because I've changed what the cross was all about. The cross was never about me having to earn my way to get him to do something. The cross was never about me manipulating him and saying, but I did all this, God. I served in your church. And I did all these things and I prayed every day and you still didn't come through. How many of us are there sometimes? Sometimes. Sometimes. And I gave up my time. Far out, I gave my time. Everyone's about time. I only want to give a little bit. But you know, when we do it out of relationship, when we do it out of a place that says, God, I'll pray and I'll get up because I want relationship with you. So you still do the same things. We just change the motive. We've got to change the motive for what we do. I'll give my time, but with no strings attached. God, I'll give you the time. God, I'll give someone the time because I love you, because I trust you with my life. Trappers, we want to control how it all ends up. Some of you here today, you've got a dream. God says today the dream isn't dead. The dream's not dead today. But we've got to grow up. And we've got to stop figuring out how to make God do our stuff. Because I want to tell you the really cool thing that he says. Right next, right, the very next thing. He rebukes the words. He rebukes the action. He rebukes the storm. He, bre- he rebukes the messenger of death. And he says this to the ruler. Don't be afraid. Only believe. And I believe that's the word of life for you today. That if there's anything else you can remember from today, it's the words of Jesus Christ. It ain't mine. He says, don't be afraid. He says, only believe. He says, you only have to do one thing. One thing, just believe in me. Just believe that I'm really good and I've got your whole life sorted out. And it may not be rainbows and unicorns, but I've got your whole life sorted out and you can trust me. What, who do you listen to under pressure? Who do, who do you listen to? Who do you allow to draw around your life when it's not going so good? Or do you withdraw by yourself so no one can be around you, no one can access your heart? Jesus didn't promise Jairus an outcome. He said, don't be afraid, only believe. He didn't say, it's okay, she's going to be fine. He just says, believe. Believe at any time. Jairus could have said to him, it's okay, thanks for your time. It's cool, I don't want to waste your time anymore. I think some of us have done that too. That we've just gone, don't worry about it, God. But we'd withdraw with a, with a bitter, with a blame, with a disappointment. You know, there's a scripture, I think it's in Luke 24. And, um, and it's, it's Jesus has died and it's his disciples. And they all thought this cool, great thing was going to happen. And it did. But they didn't know about it then. And they were kind of like, God, we just thought we were on this road with this guy. You know, and we're all going to take on the world. And it didn't happen. He was crucified. And two of them left early in the morning on the road to Emmaus. You may know the story. It's in Luke 24. And, um, but actually they left before they found out what had happened, that Jesus had already risen. And the Bible says that they were walking along the road and they were reasoning. They were talking about all that had happened. And Jesus came and walked with them. 
talking to them and they didn't recognize him. I want to tell you today, when we don't deal with discouragement, when we don't deal with our disappointments in God, we're unable to see him and see what he's doing. He was right there with them to encourage them and they couldn't see him. Sometimes we draw back enough in our hearts. We can't see anymore what God's doing. God has got your life in his hand. What do I preached a couple of weeks ago about the boat, about getting out of the boat and the waves. I want to tell you today, whatever you are facing, don't look at the size of your waves today. Look at Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. Only believe in him. Hang in there today. Turn up. Be there. Be present. I love in, in uh, I love the word of God and I love pulling it apart. And I love in th- verse 37, after Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe. And he does something really, really great. And I believe it's a key for us today that he permitted no one to follow except Peter, James, and John and the brother of James. And obviously there would have been Jairus too. He limited the people. He boundaried the people he allowed into a circle when Jairus was going through a struggle, when Jairus was on the point of a, cri- a huge crisis. It was bigger now than it was before. Who do you allow around you when that crisis is going, when the waves are really, really big? What do you allow? What influences do you allow around your life? Maybe it's the internet. Maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's whatever. You know what they are for you. Maybe it's people. We need to learn how to boundary. We need to learn from the scriptures how to get wise, how to wise up. He wants to lead you today, but when we listen to everything all around us, you know what? I think Jairus could have been pulled this way and that, but he limited the people around him and he surrounded Jairus with people of faith. When you're in a hard place, surround yourself today with people of faith, that people that will speak the word of God into your life, that will speak encouragement. Come on, you can do this. It takes courage and it takes faith to stay to not draw back when everything in the natural looks bad. The Bible says in doing all else, just stand. Just stand. In Psalm 130, I think it's 134, it says, my soul follows hard after thee. You know, um, I believe with my whole heart that we invite Jesus into our situations, but I also believe that there's a time where we just got to follow him, we've got to be where he is. I believe there's a time where we've got to put our stuff aside and say, God, I just want to be where you are. God, I I put myself around godly people, even though I want to withdraw. I place myself in an environment where people can encourage me and can challenge me. He's already here for you today. You know, in that scripture, it says that they get to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, the place where death had been prophesied. And for you, if that's your dream, it's the place where they've said the dream's all over, all over. And I love this. It says, and they saw a tumult. And I wondered what that word meant. And I thought, oh, it probably just means a big noise. But I want to read the description of what that means. It's a loud, confused noise by a mass of people. It's a violent, confused agitation. Interesting, eh? When there was a multitude of people before and the Spirit of God, the, the faith was flowing. It was a different sound. This now is a sound of death. It's a sound of confusion because death has no peace. Death has no, uh, death in the natural has a finish point. But, the, but when death comes around our dreams, when that thing comes to try and um, steal and destroy from you, there's always confusion. 
there's always agitation. And the Bible says that there was wailing and there was mourners there as well. When you're surrounded by other people that are already given up, it's a really dangerous place to be. If you're in a hard place and people around you, they may love God, but their talk is all about already giving up. You need to boundary those people from your life. It was a wave of noise. It was a wave of death, of bitterness, of blame, of sadness. I want to ask you a question because this is a challenge for all of us. How many of us become the noise and the commotion in somebody else's hard time? How many of us become the commotion for somebody else? Somebody else that's believing for a breakthrough and somehow we just slip into, yeah, maybe it wasn't God. And we start to become part of that death message. How many of us do that? We get cynical. We get cynical when we get hurt. Who do you believe this morning? Who do you listen to? Is it the commotion? Is it the messenger of death or is it the coming king? God wants you to make a decision this morning. He wants to clear up your thinking because I've decided, I said before, that I don't want to waste another minute. I don't want to waste another minute entertaining the lies of the enemy. The next key is don't try to figure it all out, like I said before. Jairus wasn't promised an outcome. Jairus had several hurdles and obstacles. He had several opportunities to quit and withdraw. The first one, his first obstacle was coming to Jesus. That was the first one, pushing through the opinions of man. The second one was the delay. And you may be anywhere on this. The third one was the news of death. The fourth one was the mourners and the ridicule. And then the threat of death itself. The threat of the, the, um, the dream dying. At any point, he could have withdrawn. At any point, he could have said, that's enough. I did believe, now I'm not sure. How many times have we missed a miracle? How many times have we missed Jesus? You know what, it's okay if we have because he's the God of second chances. He's a God of mercy. He's the God of kindness. He's a God of love. And at the same time, he's the captain of the host and he's the lion in the tribe of Judah. And today he's got your name and he's got your number. And he says, I'm just waiting for you to draw near to me because I will draw near to you. You know, right at the end of the story. And so Jesus goes in. Actually, there's one more pit. And he does this. So when he gets there and the, the commotion's going on, he, he doesn't speak to it. He doesn't entertain it. He doesn't give it any time, but he puts the commotion out of the house. He puts all the wailers and the mourners, and he puts them out of the house. And I believe that some of us here today, we're going to put that stuff out of our mind. We're going to put it out of our heart, out of our soul. And there's some people we need to put out of our house. There's some people that bring a message of death. I don't know about you, but there's some people that always, glass is always half empty. They're always half empty. It's not about being unrealistic. It's about getting hold of Jesus and saying, I have faith today and I will believe and I'll let you figure out the outcome, Jesus, but meanwhile, I'll serve you and I will live for you. You know, right at the end, Sir Sir Jairus gets his miracle and the little girl comes back to life. And right at the end, I love this, Scripture just goes that, oh, and by the way, she was 12. So the, the 12 years, the first lady, the daughter was afflicted was the 12 years of this other little daughter's life, her whole life. 
One needed the blood to stop, to have life. And the other needed her blood to start flowing through her veins again so that she would have life. And Jesus can do both in every situation. He's showing us today how diverse he is. Jesus is diverse. Jesus can meet you today and he can meet you today and he can meet all of us today, all at the same time because he is is a limitless God. The number 12 means authority. It means governance. His authority over death means complete and it means conviction. Sorry, perfection. He's calling you alive today. Who are you in the story? Just as I wrap up now, who are you today in the story? We go back through the story. Are you the crowd that's just making the noise? You might have a need, but you know, you're not that desperate. Crowds are interesting because they make noises, but they often become spectators. They don't participate. And they like to have opinions and they like to commentate on what's going on. But they often miss their miracles too. Maybe you're here and you're the woman and you want your miracle, but you kind of want to steal it. You just want them to do it undercover and then you'll be really, really happy. And he's calling you today out out from hiding and out into a place with him because there's no condemnation today in him. Maybe you're you're here today and you're gyrus and you're believing. You're on the brink of you needing God to break through. And you don't know how that's going to look. And you don't know what to do with that. But you know that if, you, if you're not afraid, but you only believe, that He would be faithful. Maybe you're here today and you're the messenger of death. I wouldn't want to call anyone that, but you know, I think we need to be honest. That sometimes we come into agreement with negative stuff. And uh, who needs a devil when we just do it for him? And we bring an atmosphere with us of unbelief, saying it's too hard can't do it. Maybe today you're the house and you're holding a dream. You're holding a need. You're holding a breakthrough. And um, this morning, I just, want to sp- I just want to speak something up. Mike Hart, Mike and Cara, I know she's in the mother's room. But I just want to say today, the dream's not over. The dream is not over for you guys. The dream hasn't died. It never did. And God's got your name and he knows what he's got for you and he will restore. I believe that. I believe that I speak that out today. I prayed about two days ago, God, if they're in the service, I'll speak it out. And so today I I decree that over your life. The dream never died, Mike. The dream's still there. And I call you to life today and your wife. I call you as a couple today in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here too and you're the house and you're struggling with whether death will prevail or the kingdom of God. Maybe you're a disciple and you're just looking on going far out. What do I do with all this? And you're just learning on the way. Today, don't be afraid. He wants to bring you into life today. Get desperate. Position yourself and hold your place today. And submit the outcome to him. I want to read you something from Bill Johnson. I know I'm running just a little bit over. But it says this. He's from um, Bethel Church in America, and he says this, I can't afford to live in reaction to darkness. If I do, darkness has a role in setting the agenda for my life. And the devil is not worthy of such influence. Jesus lived in response to the Father. I must learn to do the same. Who do you live in response to today? And so just as we finish up now, I just want you to close your eyes. If you're here today, firstly, I want to ask you a question. Do you know my king? My king today is the coming king. My king today is the, he's the name above all names. 
My King today died on a cross for you over 2,000 years ago that right back then, God knew your name and He knew you'd be here today. And He's calling you today into a life with Him. So if you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, it's about a relationship, it's about a walk. It's not about perfection. It's not about being perfect. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you would have the forgiveness of your sins. And you'd be able to walk in relationship with Him. You'd have the promise of eternal life. And peace would reign in your life. If that's you here today, just lift your hand with every eye closed and every head bowed. If that's you here today, lift your hand to Him. He's calling you today. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hand this morning on brave woman. Is there anyone else here today? There's another one down the back. Come on, church, start praying. Our Jesus can change our city. Our Jesus can change our region. Holy Ghost, is there anyone here this morning and you say, that's me too, I want peace. I want peace, I want relationship with this Jesus that you talk about. He's a king of all kings. You can just put your hand down now just for a moment. If you're here today and you say, God, I, you say, I recognize that I have walked away, I've withdrawn in my heart. You may still attend church. I've walked away in my heart, I'm not in relationship with him. Why don't you lift your hand and say, I want to come back to that place of life flow with Jesus. I've become a half-hearted. Thank you, Jesus. Hands going up. Hands going up all over this place. There's no shame in him. The Bible says he celebrates today. All he wants is relationship with you. He wants to bring you into life with him. Holy Spirit, so what we're going to do right now is we're going to stand up. And as these people come to the front, I want you to clap. I want you to cheer. So if you put your hand up for either of those older calls, I want you to come down the front today. We're not going to steal our miracle this morning. We're going to come down. Why don't we stand up, church? If you put your hand up this morning, come on down. Come on down this morning. Jesus Christ loves you this morning. Come on, church, we can do better than that. We're souls being won into the kingdom this morning. You're going to remember who your king is. We may live in a city where apathy prevails, but we don't live under apathy today. We live under the kingdom of the living God. Holy Spirit. So if you're here this morning, this is the first time you've come up. The very first time. You're here and this is the very first time that you've made a decision for Christ. Why don't you just come and stand here? Is there anyone else? This is your first time ever. stretch your hands out to her. It's an amazing young woman I met a few weeks ago. The whole church is going to say this prayer with us. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. 
I thank you that you love me. And over 2,000 years ago, when you gave your life, you gave it for me. So today I ask you forgiveness for all of my sin, all of my wrongdoing. And I thank you today, Jesus, that you forgive me. I thank you today that you set me in your family. I thank you that you call me and you have a plan for me. And you call me daughter. We declare today the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Lordship of Jesus Christ.